0: first-time founders and visionaries, they have huge difficulties to let go because they're always afraid that, you know, you excuse my French to fuck up their product, right?
1: Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Sylvan. Boris, a very well welcome to the Swiss Show. It's a pleasure to have you here today.
0: Well, thank you very much for having me. It's a a great pleasure for me as well. Thank you, Simon.
1: You're a serial entrepreneur and startup CEO based here in Zurich in Switzerland. And before we're going to talk about your impressive learnings, I want to start with your personal background. Your university path was not a traditional one. You actually spent a total of two years there, according to your LinkedIn profile, would you say that higher education is overrated when it comes to entrepreneurship?
0: I don't know if probably two years is even a bit a bit delay because I, I haven't been there a lot. I guess at the <laughs> university, so no. I, I guess for me it was was a bit uh, probably the past was a bit different because um, I started my first uh, probably not company but um, product or project. I'm um, back in the 90s already, so when while I was studying, and um, I had the chance to you know just leave university and and start my business uh, back then because I sold this company or this project to a big fmcg company so and they um, offered me the chance to to work with them for for you know a couple of projects uh, basically back then it was all around internet you know like uh, the, the, the early 2000s so um, um everybody wanted to be in the internet so I uh, helped them um, to to shape their Uh, communication so it was a great chance and the idea was basically to to leave uh, the university for a couple of years and then go back Um, but that obviously never happened because um, I I led this company over 10 years so uh, yeah it was no chance to get back then afterwards (laughs) I got addicted to entrepreneurship and but to back to your question um if if it's overrated I guess um it, it gives you a good background right so um it helps you to understand like the economics behind it psychology or whatsoever um but it doesn't make you an entrepreneur obviously right um but what i see is that you know especially when it comes to business school they have more and more focus on on you know real entrepreneurship not just you know they don't just teach economics mm-hmm. um um, I'm, I'm, for example, I'm a, a guest speaker at the IMD in Lausanne, so um, I, I work closely with you and see actually their, how they appreciate it. Like it's, it's an interesting topic, and I guess um, times are changing a bit, right? So uh, it's, 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 it's getting, it, or, or people realize that it's really interesting, right? Even though they don't want to be an entrepreneur, pr-
1: uh, probably, but um, they they have an interest for this topic. But in that regard, you would say. You become an entrepreneur by doing, not by studying it to a certain degree.
0: Yeah, I would say, I guess um, it's something that you either already know from Mm -hmm. your background, your family. Right. I know lots of people who who, um, come from an entrepreneurial family or have an entrepreneurial background. And and those have a, a much easier start than I had because my my parents are teachers, so uh, you know far away from entrepreneurship doesn't even right. exist, right? So, um, so yes, I, I had to learn it in in my case um, on my own, and 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 it was hard learning. It was was a lot of I did a lot of failures and and um, and 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 learned the hard way,
1: basically. Yeah, I, I can't wait to talk about these <laughs> learnings, but you just mentioned your parents were teachers. So, where does your entrepreneurial drive then come from? Was there anyone else who motivated you to become an entrepreneur, or why did you choose that path? Because that's not the logical step as a as a child of two teachers.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, I I guess I guess my parents weren't weren't either happy with it. So, uh, they they uh, they always envisioned a guy who goes to to university, right, to study something um, serious. Um, so yeah so it I guess it was a, a coincidence as I mentioned I started my first thing I don't know how to it wasn't a startup uh, in in, in, in uh, 1997 I guess it was actually um, the first uh, party portal with those party pictures in Switzerland um, it, it was really the early days of internet so um, so no mass media right mm-hmm. so uh, we're super happy when you had like um I don't know, one thousand people on the page or something like that, right? So it uh, was, was a funny time, but um, but why we did it, right? It was because we wanted to enter the clubs without paying. We wanted to drink for free and stuff. <laughs> so that was our passion back then. It was partying, and um, what I learned, you know, it was basically when you do something for passion, it usually works. Out, it works well, right? So uh, it was, you know, for that. Well, for that time it was a, a real was was kind of a success, right? And we were able to sell this whole thing to 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 a company. So, so in that regard, it was a success. Um, so, probably just this coincidence that brought me into into this world, and I uh, got addicted. And I would say the other thing is as well um, that I'm. A guy who likes to take risk, a guy who likes to take responsibility, so that mm-hmm. helps, of course, uh, when it comes to, to you know, building companies
1: and 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 uh, yeah. and, and uh, entrepreneurship in general. I want to focus on that first company, that first startup. You basically solved your own problem. That's a really strong, you know, starting point because that also keeps you going a very long time in terms of motivation. Was that one of the key success factors, from your perspective, that also made it a success in terms of an exit afterwards? Well, yeah, I solved my problem because I was
0: student and didn't have money to pay the drinks in in the, the clubs. So I solved my problem, but the 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 product didn't solve this this kind of problem. But we saw right. that there is a need. It was pre Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. So and people already like to see their pictures somewhere, right? Of course. Um back then I remember there was a a magazine, a print magazine called Forecast. And so yeah. they did that, right? Yeah. So they printed um pictures on paper, right? And people were always waiting. Yeah, am I there? Am I there? Am I there? <laughs> so Bobidi is just we translated that into um the internet. Mm-hmm. Right. And um and by doing that um of course that was a certain the, already the idea had a certain virality inside, right? Because mm-hmm. people, obviously, they went to the page, um, want to look if they're there, if, if we've chosen their pictures. And, and then if, if we've chosen their picture, then they would send it to their friends and so forth. Right. So so that's always, if, if, if you have a virality already in your concept, that already always helps,
1: right? Mm. And of course, we were passionate about that. So that, that helped in that regard. <laughs> And then when you did the exit, you know, how did that change you? Because certainly you made some money there in that deal. Did that change you in any way? Because you then stopped going to university, right? Yeah. Um, I, I have to say it wasn't, wasn't a big
0: amount of money, mm-hmm. right? So we were it's was more like we invested that money into a new organization. So we've okay. built basically this this agency slash product company. Because what we did there is we helped companies with their digital campaigns. Mm-hmm. But on the, on the other hand, we've built products as well, like a content management system or a shop system or so forth. Because that was as well pre-Shopify, pre-WordPress um, and whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So there was only very limited products around there. And so we did it on our own,
1: basically. Yep. That was the company about. What is really fascinating about you is that you see both sides. You build companies your own but you also became an external startup CEO for other companies, like for Cocheck, for example, an app that informs customers about products before they actually buy them in 2014. So I wonder, with your founder DNA, that we just briefly talked about, you know, with the need of building something, of having and running your own company, why would you decide to become the external CEO of another company?
0: Well, uh, in, in, in that case, um, you know, if you look back at... The- and um, by then when we actually when I started um the the company check just you know we founded the company check so mm-hmm. it was really the early days right it was an early stage startup and um in that regard um together with the founder we've we've built the whole company you know yeah. starting starting then so before it was was basically a product and um and then it the company started, so mm-hmm. I would say that's usually my focus. So I'm I'm the guy who builds builds the the, the organization, right? Okay. So I'm not that much of a product guy, mm-hmm. and and kind of that helps if you look at it like that. It's it's um it's um I you know like I don't think that's a huge difference from from a founder to to a startup CEO when the startup is pretty pretty much early stage, right? right. So we still yeah. have to the the possibility to shape the culture, to uh, to influence um, lots of things like strategy and and, and whatsoever, and um, yeah, so so I don't see a big difference, even though um, you know talking about this role founder, that's something that is um, very interesting actually, and I'm working currently a lot with founders, and you know like I guess the most challenging thing about that is founder is not a role. Right. Yeah. So some of the founders are expert in their topics um, in certain fields and are probably product people. Right. Mm-hmm. They have a great idea, great vision, build something. And then suddenly they need to build an organization, and I guess that's a huge challenge because um, you might not be a good leader. You might not be good at f- talking even to people. Right. Sure. Yeah. Some some <laughs> of pro- some product people are very introverts. And they have to learn all those kind of things, and I think that's that's a huge challenge. So it makes sense to partner with somebody and 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 who's probably a bit more experienced in in, in, in you know like building organization who mm-hmm. went through that a couple of times. Absolutely. So that's that's uh, that's yeah how I consider my my role as as a CEO. So it's it's partially founder partially CEO right
1: what does that mean in terms of you know the the shares that you hold on a company because if you come in a bit later than the original founder or founders I can imagine you have a pretty tough negotiation stand to say hey I will be the CEO I will help you build that company but you didn't invent the product so they are still in love with their baby and then it can be quite tough to negotiate okay we are like like founders but they don't see you as founder because you joined later. How do you solve that issue? I, I can imagine that's that's a big challenge. It's
0: it's it's funny that you mentioned baby. Um, <laughs> I'm always <laughs> that's always a thing I'm talking to people. Like you shouldn't you shouldn't consider your your start about your product as your baby because yeah. it's not it's not your baby. It's a product, right? And you should have that emotional distance mm-hmm. to something. And and I, I just what I see is that you know especially. Founders are visionaries, who are that strongly connected to their vision, basically you live in the future. They're they they have difficulties to to um to listen to customers. They have difficulties to get feedback from the team and so forth because it's their vision, right? So they're so emotionally attached to that they just cannot compromise on that. And 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 that's why I always think you need to have this distance. You need to listen to people, and you need to be aware that. You, this is your vision, right? It will never happen. It will never happen. So if you if you want to be successful, hold this vision, right? Which is great because it's kind of your, you know, like it's your goal, your future, future, future goal. But be aware that, you know, that you never really get there. Probably you get close as possible. But you need to shape your product with the feedback of all those people around you, with the feedback of your customers and so forth. Um, but coming back to your question uh, regarding shares, yeah, I, I must say it wasn't never a big thing actually to the, these negotiations, and especially when it came to to um, to um, uh, code check variables, as I mentioned, very early stage, so there were, we had no big issues on that, so we mm-hmm. found a solution quite quickly. Um, but it's obviously very different. Um, and it gets less the, the later you start, right? So that's exactly. that's something. Um, I mean, it's 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 about risk taking, and I totally get that. You know, that if you're already on the right path and you just want to, let's say, add value to the team you have, but you know it's going to be a success. Obviously, we, we're not less likely to to give tons of shares, right? So but that's okay. It's okay.
1: Was there always? Um sort of a a target number where you said, I want to have at least 20% or at least 30% for you in order to be, yeah, also to have some skin in the game and some motivation to make it big or was there never a specific number? It was always case-by-case decision.
0: Uh, Good question. I I guess um, for me, the shares and the compensation, they were never the number one reason for joining an organization. So it was more well back in in, the, in these days that you know it's really like seven, eight years ago. Uh, it was more about having impact, having a product that actually drives you, that you you just you like, you, you so um an organization that you 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 like people you like. So um so I guess that was 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 probably um for me the most important things and then the rest compensation shares uh was just you know like Something that you have to find, obviously, uh, um, um, a a, a good deal, but I don't think that I really had some target numbers in mind or whatsoever. It's depending a bit, you know, like uh, when you start negotiating, you probably don't really know where the company's at, right? So Mm -hmm. you you do your due diligence, you you start understanding, and then it's depending a bit on on, on those numbers as well.
1: Right. Fair point, yeah. I, I also, I'm a big fan of Coach. I even started using it myself regularly. So I think you built a fantastic product there. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: It's it's a great pro, uh, project. I guess it has a product and I guess it had, you know, a lot of impact on people's life. And yeah. I think that that counts as well. So all this feedback we've got that from, from people who really liked it, who changed their life. Um, that's a lot of influence as well on people's life, positive influence. So exactly. um, that obviously doesn't pay your bills, but um, <laughs> it's something that drives your motivation.
1: Right? You know why you get up in the morning. Yeah, exactly, exactly. We also mentioned, you know, you coming in as an external person. You know, maybe there are not that many employees yet, but at least there's a founding team. Maybe the first employees. Now you come in as a as an external startup CEO. Can it also be a challenge, or was it ever a challenge for you?
0: It, it is always a challenge it is because um as you mentioned you know this baby topic this is this is probably the biggest challenge because um as a founder you need to let go um and especially um when it comes to let's say first-time founders and and uh, visionaries they have huge difficulties to let go because they're always afraid that you know you're Excuse my French to fuck up the product, right? <laughs> so, so it's it's uh it's always a challenge to find the right um 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 you know like uh, trade off uh, between changing something and 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 between you know like um I'm still you know keeping or for them keeping you know kind of power to 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 lead, mm-hmm. and obviously as a CEO you 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 have the responsibility for the whole right, yeah. and and so the founder. Role is changing, then right, and um, probably goes in the product direction. So let's say you're then chief product officer, or something, something like that. Um, but this is this is the challenge because, especially when 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 companies are growing, then the founder doesn't have a a space, right, a defined space. So mm-hmm. it's uh, you know it's, it's kind of you know like something that's always changing if it's a a great product person this is always needed but probably there is a better product person than coming into the company and then the founder needs to find something else again and I guess this is always a bit of a challenge right and um, what I learned as well is because I made lots of as I mentioned made lots of lots of mistakes in my life and you know like went through lots of things, learned a lot of things. And obviously, when you start a company, you you have some ideas. you don't have the experience, but you have some ideas how to build it. Mm-hmm. And uh, usually those ideas are not the best ones at the beginning, right and um and this is something I experienced. I, i'm I'm not compromising anymore on on best practice, right? So if I start working with with the founder, I really say this is this is the way we should go, right? Because I, I make this other path. It doesn't work. So I'm not going to do this again and again and again <laughs> just because you don't believe me, right? Yeah. So and this this is sometimes a challenge to really sell that path as well to, to people who don't know it, who haven't experienced it yet. Um yeah. So so yeah, um to, to to get back to your question, yeah. Um um this this
1: is a challenge and I've experienced that, yeah. In that regard, when you see, hey, I do have to convince them that there is a better way than what they think of walking down that path right now, is there also a certain way where you then say, hey, I try to convince them, they just don't want to see it, because then that can make your life really difficult as a startup CEO if you have like the internal disagreement that will cost you so much time and energy and you can't focus on building a successful company? Is there ever uh, a limit where you then say, Hey, I tried this and that. It's just not going to work. I, I have to to leave as a, as a CEO. Or how do you deal with that if the founder or the founders just don't want to agree on on your way on your best practices shaped by your numerous experiences?
0: Yeah, that's that's the consequence, right? If if yeah. if if uh, because your role is, I mean, you have the responsibility uh, responsibility for the whole. You have the responsibility for the company, right? And if you see that this is not going to work out then mm-hmm. you either leave or compromise on everything and I guess compromising on everything just leads to mediocre organization right yeah. and and what happens as well is especially when founders or leaders and lead in a different direction then you know the company gets really into troubles because people just don't know where to go mm-hmm. right probably you, you you have different strategic goals. Imagine how that works, right?
1: It's like it's, rowing it's, in a lose, different direction. Exactly, you, you lose stay.
0: focus, and it's, it just stands still. Yeah. Right? Exactly. So, um, so that's that's then really the, the the point where you need to decide
1: um, if you want to just you know, if you better leave or not. Mm-hmm. And another challenge I briefly want to talk about is when he come in as an external person. you mentioned before, founder is not a position, but it's still a very powerful title. So I can imagine that. The acceptance internally with the team that has already been there can be challenging. Did you ever experience anything of that sort? That you came in as the external person, but then people still listened or followed the founder, although you became the CEO and you were responsible for everything.
0: Not, not really. No, no, I don't think. I, I mean, I'm always um, I, I like, as I mentioned, I like to work with with founders, mm-hmm. um, and especially when they when they you know like have a clear role so when the founder is for example the product person right and i think then it works because you have your role you have your responsibilities and and that's then a very natural organization right Right. but if if the founder wants to be the ceo then this is going to be an issue Mm -hmm. it's going to be an issue for the team because um obviously um the founder has this power as you mentioned right It's it's uh it's the visionary or can be the visionary for the whole organization, so people would listen to this person, and then uh, it just uh, you know that that thing happens. Actually, you as as a company, you just stand still. Um, They might lead, you know, like two people might lead in different different uh, um um towards different goals, so that just uh, wouldn't work out. But um but usually what I um, experience is that um. I was always welcomed by by the teams because um, I, you know, one of the things I've learned is to um, analyze super fast what's working, what's not. So usually I can have impact on pretty early on. So people see, okay, this guy is probably
1: or adds, adds value, kind of right. So so that that makes it a bit easier, yeah. And also, just a random follow up question in that regard. I could imagine that there could also be discussions about a co-CEO role. What do you think about co-CEOs? I personally am not a big fan of that setup, but I just wonder you have way more experience than I have. So what's, what's your take on co-CEO roles? You know, I'm not a big fan
0: when it comes to, let's say, those democratic structures in an early stage startup. I think there needs to be one person who makes a decision if... Because sometimes you just need to make decisions super quickly. right? So um, I think it can work when the organization is bigger and you're bas- basically sailing in really still waters, right? There's no yeah. no more um, 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 storms or whatsoever. Then it can work. Then stuff like accuracy can work and everything. But yeah. in early stage startup, I think there needs to be just one CEO, one person who makes the final decision, I would mm-hmm. say. And um, I just had this discussion with with um, a um, star that I'm currently working with, and I just told them, "Look, why co-CEO? It's usually because they don't know whom to to um, to recruit at this this early stage, right? They they want to they want to f- uh, go into fundraising. They think, okay, it's better if there are two people, but it's not." It doesn't make you more credible if there are two people sitting there, right? So it's usually just this one person or this one person and the founder. So that is actually makes you more credible than just hiring someone else, right? Right. And especially when it comes to this hiring topic, right? I mean, there's always this question, whom to hire, right? You know what kind of team do I actually need now, and I guess that there, there's as well very important to actually know what kind of competences you need inside of your organization in order to be successful, right? Yeah. And that
1: that should be the question, and not shall I hire a co CEO? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's a very fair assessment. So a, a very diverse and and broad management team can be a strong asset where you have your clear roles, but not a co CEO that's more of a, a weaker sign to a certain degree because then, like, it's nobody's responsible, right?
0: That's that's a very good point. You I know, mean, when it comes to management teams, you know, you mentioned diverse. Um, I would say complementary. Exactly, you know? yeah. Because, um, and that's, that's actually a big issue, right? So people tend to hire people that are like them, so have a bit of the similar personality because they like each other. Mm-hmm. Or... They tend to hire people who fit into their management style. Like, let's say, if, if someone has a very strong personality and doesn't doesn't like to have something similar inside of the management team, then they tend to hire people with, um, let's say, may I say, weaker personalities? But it's 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 just let's say uh, people are not really speaking up, right?
1: Yeah, they are more the followers than the, the leaders. Followers, exactly. Yeah.
0: So, and that is always um, something that can actually already lead to failure at the very very early stage you know before you've even started so uh that's something to really understand and keep an eye on and what i always you know like tell a a, a device startup is 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 to do an assessment to understand what is actually the personality of, 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 Mm -hmm. of the person you want to hire and, um, and that helps, you know, to understand a bit, you know, the, the mechanics of, um, of this, of this, process, this right. process.
1: What assessment do you recommend there? A, a Gallup test or? No, I'm actually working with a, a, a guy
0: from, uh, it's a Dutch guy. I don't even mm. know the name of this, this assessment he does. But it's, it's really, it goes deep into the personality of people. And mm. um, it's just, you know, like it's about, you know, adding strength to your organization so detecting right. the strengths one, one person has understanding their power zone as well and the good thing about that assessment is that um, it gives you a bit of a manual of the personality of of of, uh, of your team basically or of your management team it's pretty expensive so you, you might not doing it uh, you might not want to do it with everybody but uh, with the management it's actually worth it worth it so you understand why people act like they do mm-hmm. right and especially when it comes to you know working under pressure, it's good to understand why people suddenly act totally differently or why they always jump back to certain um, patterns, right? And to you know just start to bringing bring them out of there, you know, because usually, you know, like uh, if you if you work in your power zone, that means you add value to the organization. If you if you if you go out of your power zone, that means you could just stick to stuff
1: you know, do patterns you know. Mm-hmm. Right? And that can be an issue. So. I like that a lot because you leverage people's strengths in order to have a stronger and more successful company in the exactly, end. I think exactly. that's a very powerful understanding. So we're all already in the middle of the learnings that you're sharing here. <laughs> and in October 21, Yakshiri published a LinkedIn article with the five things you wish you had known when you started your first company. So I want to tackle them one by one and also discuss them a bit with you because I think there's so much value uh, lying behind that article. So the first point that you mentioned is don't start without a solid foundation. So what makes a solid foundation from your perspective?
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, Let me explain it in, in that way. I think you need to understand what kind of organization you want to build before you start it. Right. So you need to make sure that you really think through it that means you shouldn't know what kind of values you want to share with your team, what really matters to you as a founder mm-hmm. first. Um, you need to understand why you actually do it, so the purpose of your company. And you need to understand what kind of competencies you need in order to build a successful company. So especially when it comes to questions whom to, to recruit now. Okay, so you need to understand, okay, is it a tech company, right? And I'm not a tech person, so I need probably a CTO as a first person a or is it um, sales or whatever right yeah. so you need to understand that what actually is important to build in your organization and uh, the next thing is then um, the, the 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 goals you have right so you need to understand where you want to be at in 10 years you know the, the famous B hack and stuff like that so so this is the path where that leads you to success, right? And, and especially you need you need to know that as a leader to lead your team towards a certain goal, because leading without without the goal is not leading; it's just leading nowhere, right? Yeah. So that's that's for me the the foundation that you need to build that influences everything, mm-hmm. right? Knowing what kind of organization you want to want to build or want to shape, that you know, like as well answers a lot of questions when it comes to hiring people. Right. So, so you want to hire people that share the same values. Um, you want to hire people that you know, like, are good at a certain or have certain skills. So, in order to shape your competencies of of your company. So every single step actually influence, you know, like your decisions, and um, and that's that's what I'm usually starting with as well when I work with with startups
1: and and scale ups. It's so powerful because it, it's like you're guiding compass, your navigator to a certain degree. Exactly, and, and especially when I'm talking about strategy,
0: for me, strategy is not something very theoretical, right? It's yeah. not um, this thirty pager that you <laughs> that write nobody reads. Write down <laughs> and probably never look look at it again, right? So for me, it's, I use just one-pagers, like yeah. just having the most important thing at the page. You can even print it out and, and, and have it always at your side, and use it as a tool, right? Especially when it comes to, to, to early-stage companies, mm-hmm. this will change a lot of times. So it's not mm-hmm. something written in stone. I consider really um, strategy and the core core values and so forth as a decision-making framework. Because what, what usually happens, and this is something you, you suddenly realize when you start a company, what usually, what usually happens is you, you don't have too few um, opportunities, you usually have too many, yep. and the challenge is choosing the right ones, and if you know where you want to go at, then you can really decide based on that, and and then when it comes to partnership, for example, like does this partnership, it's probably a very shiny one, let's say, you know, Apple knocks at your door, but okay, no, no. <laughs> no, it's good. Uh, it's, it's probably gonna sell it to Apple then, but <laughs> <laughs> but but another big brand, right? Um, sure. Um, and but it doesn't count in your 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 your, your strategy, it doesn't support um, um, yeah. your, your past or your goal, then you, you might wanna say no or you might want to change your strategy. That's mm-hmm. another way, right? right. You know, another possibility. So um, so having that this is basically your your most important tool as as a founder
1: and okay. as a startup leader. That there are uh, Matti Spuchy, the founder of Small PDF. He recently said at one of our founders dinners that if you have a good strategy, it has to always hurt a bit when you have to say no to things. Then you know it's a good strategy because you would like to do it. But you have a so good focus that it hurts to say no to that. And I think that's a wonderful summary of that point that you just made.
0: Absolutely, I like that. And and it's 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 the truth. It it really hurts sometimes to say no. Yeah. But but I always you know we, I always consider it it's it's your your big red no button where you can really push it and it says just <laughs> no and and uh, there is even one there are some plastic ones you can buy them you know like just nice. to remind you yes. all the time <laughs> just say no say no say no put that on your desk and exactly, hit it multiple exactly, times a day exactly so but but it, it sometimes really hurts because um, especially when you're when you're um, you know I mentioned this passion and and emotions, you know, like and you, yeah. you want to you wanna change the world, right? You want to do it quickly. You want to um, do it on on, um, on as many levels as possible. And it suddenly opens a big opportunity over there, which is, let's say you're in B2C, but this would be B2B, and then you just yeah. jump over, but suddenly you're just doing two things, but you're not really good at none of those, exactly. right?
1: Exactly, yeah. Yeah it's also you know the grass is also always greener on the other side so whenever you do b2c right now you always think oh b2b would be so much easier but if you're doing b2b you would think exactly the same about b2c it's it's fascinating absolutely absolutely you also mentioned the 10-year plan do you have a good example of this 10-year goal that you can also communicate with the team yeah like i could imagine an exit or an ipo might not be the best motivator for the team so what is a good example there
0: no, I think um, when it comes to to a a let's say a goal, a goal should be measurable, right? So it's not the vision, it's okay. not the fantastic idea you have. It's really a measurable goal, and it can be revenue. For example, Walmart, they just you know put a revenue goal. Mm-hmm. They said in ten years they want to be there, and 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 it worked out, right? Okay. And. You know, like if, if you have something that is measurable that helps you to then shape the, the, the short-term goals as well. So that's just a path how you get there. And suddenly everything gets more realistic. So you don't even need to communicate this hack all the time. But for people usually or for a team, it's good enough to have very clear short-term goals, but mm-hmm. understanding that there is a bit bigger plan, right? So I really say, if you, if you if you say, okay, communicating your strategy to team, yes, do it. But don't do it on a
1: daily basis. Yeah. Right? right. The other point, the last point I want to address here in your first point that you mentioned in your article is values. What do I do if I don't know my core values yet? <laughs> do you have any tips on that? Um, yes,
0: you, you can. I mean... It's usually how I do it with with um, startups I usually run a, a workshop and I start with the founder to just write down his or her personal values mm-hmm. like what really matters to them when they collaborate with people on their day-to-day basis um, um, in their family life and whatsoever right yeah. because everybody has values and everybody has things that really matter to them. Mm-hmm. But you, you usually don't, you know, it's not easy to articulate, right? So no. you need to think a bit. So what I do is um, very, very traditional brainstormings with the team and and, and then voting on, on, on values and then just put them into test, right? So have them, yeah. write them down. Because when it comes to to a startup, to a neurostage startup, like an, a young organization is a bit like a child, right? You don't have the, the the values yet. You don't lift the values yet. You learn it. Mm-hmm. And you 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 build your values over the time. So it's still easy to change. So if you realize that this value doesn't support my decision-making process at all, it probably even harms it, then change it. But suddenly, after a couple of years, you realize. Oh, I cannot change them anymore, right? Exactly. So people really lift I'm a hire based on that. So yeah. it's 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 something that is really deep into well, it entered deeply into my organization. It or shapes my organization, shapes the culture of my culture of my organization. And then that can be an issue as well for an organization. Mm-hmm. You know, when you take Facebook now, you know, they have this value or probably it's more competency of moving fast, right? And You know, like, especially when it comes to all those issues they have currently, it's a lot about moving fast Mm -hmm. and not
1: thinking enough, right? Sure. Yeah, I think they call it moving fast and breaking things, right? So they literally do break a couple of things. (laughs) They break the whole world (laughs) currently. (laughs) Yeah, but that's interesting. So that's something to be fully aware that this might come back later down the road. It might not be the suitable value anymore, but it's super hard and difficult to change.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you cannot foresee um, the future like that. So sure. it yeah. might harm your organization afterwards. It's really hard to change it again.
1: No. Yep. Let's talk about the second point that you mentioned in your article. It's called choose your core team wisely. So what makes a strong core team? What roles do you have there? Who should be on the core team? Um.
0: Well, I cannot. This I guess this, you, you, you cannot answer this question in in general because um, yeah. it it depends on your product, depends on the organization you want to shape. Mm-hmm. Right? But um, knowing what you need to achieve your goals, what, what I mentioned, but just mentioned, knowing your your competences that you need to build in your organization, that's already crucial, right? So that's that's the first step. Understanding that a bit in in, in depth, are really thinking of. Um things you wanna you need to build and 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 then you 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 start with defining the roles you need mm-hmm. and um the core team, well, I guess for me always the most important thing is what i'm what I mentioned before is that people are entering the organization that they actually add value and add value as a as a person, add more strength to the organization. It's not necessarily a skill. That they need to add at the beginning, mm-hmm. but it's the personality, right? So make it make it more complete, leadership more complete, basically, okay. or diverse, as you mentioned as well. So hiring for diversity is always, as well, very good. You know, if if you if you think of, you know, hiring, um, let's say, if 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 it's a female founder hiring a, 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 a male CTO or whatever, mm-hmm. or vice versa, it's uh, it's a good idea because um, usually. Um, different genders, or have different strengths already, or it's more likely, right? Yeah. So that that you already add some some values to the existing team. So that's that's um that's already something something good. And then what I would say as well, what really matters is hiring a players. So being being aware of of, um, of you know like the possibilities a person has, right? I'm not talking about a great university degree. I'm not talking about you know like. Coming from a shiny brand or whatsoever, but um, having the ability to grow and learn um, adds much more value to your organization than having a, a someone with a PhD that just you know thinks knows everything and 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 stands still basically, right?
1: That's so crucial for every startup. Really, some don't get that yet at the at the beginning. Then they make that mistake and then they realize, oh, that was not a good idea. Yeah. But it's so difficult to to understand who is an A player and who is not. How do you test people for that before you hire them? That's probably the million-dollar question.
0: It's it's a very good thing, right? So I I realized um, that I'm not not good at that. Okay. Yeah. So um, I hired – I made some very bad decisions when it comes to hiring Um, because what I did, I did, um, let's say, two superficial um, decisions based on their backgrounds. Based on a shiny CV, right? Yep. I just thought, okay, wow, this is perfect fit for this position. You know? So I thought more not about human being, but about positions and skills, and you know all those mm-hmm. kind of things. So I realized that that I'm just that's that's me, right? And 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 I'm probably not this this guy who really feels, you know, the, 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 the how the person is going to be in future whatsoever. And um, what I did, I changed the processes of hiring and involved all those kind of people, right? So involved the whole team, for example, into the hiring process. And um, honestly, uh, I didn't have to fire one single person anymore after this decision. So usually um, we hired them for cultural fit, I would say, for team fit, right? this is one part of it but that doesn't make those people A players right no. but I think A players you 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 know like something you 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 see when A players um or how A players act in an the interview they are looking for the right place for them it's not they're not, no. not just looking for for a job no. so you suddenly realize okay those people ask you a lot of questions and why it's probably because they want to grow, they want to learn, they want to, you know, like benefit from this, from this position. So um, there are two ways, you know. One, one thing is just, you know, like entering when you have an interview, you know, like opening for, for the whole interview for discussion more than mm-hmm. just asking you, asking questions, right? Right. And that's what I like. If if, uh, if an interview suddenly gets into a a two-way discussion, Right. And the other thing is as well. Um, once you 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 shape your culture, and for example, education has a very important place in your organization. That brings in the right people as well, mm-hmm. because that's that's for them. That's a, a very important um, well argument to to to, yeah, to to decide for for that position, if they yeah. see okay, I can learn here, you know, I can benefit from that. Yeah. I can uh, um, even teach people, right? Like it can. This is, that's what we did at, at, at my last gig. So we had our uh, Brownback lunches, for example, you know, where people presented stuff. So it was nice. really a big learning culture. And I guess that brings in the right people as well. And of course, the other things that you just need to do is uh, check the references, talk to people. Um, then ask as well, you know, like all you want to know. is this is this a person? Is this open for? Is this person open for feedback? You know, um, has this person an emphasis on learning, on growing, and stuff like that? So, and that would 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 say adds much more value than you know the best CV in the world.
1: Nice, yeah, well put. The third point you mentioned in your article is leadership is not a competition. So there, you also mentioned that the team skill should be better than. Your skills. In that case, you wrote my skills. Can you elaborate a bit more on that? What you exactly meant by by that statement? Yeah, I guess
0: um, I don't know if, if this happens to lots of people, but it happened to me um, when I started my first company. So for me, it was kind of a competition. I want to be better in everything than than my team, and you know, this directly leads to to a very mediocre organization because um, you cannot be good at everything. <laughs> so so um, uh, so that that was. You know, one of the things I've learned the hard way and um, I learned it actually the hard way when I entered an organization with just eight players and I got very frustrated because I thought, (laughs) shit, what I what I do here right I and, can't and I guess, be the best anymore yeah. in everything <laughs> yeah I guess I guess they they asked them the same thing you know what this guy was, <laughs> <you> know, what? <laughs> so, so basically uh, that that taught me quite the brutal lesson you know that you know it's leadership is more about making other people better than than being the
1: best yeah. right? how do you let go of that you know when you once come from that place where you say hey I want to be the best at everything I want to be the the strongest and the best, How do you let go of that? How do you manage that to also then delegate stuff and just let people do maybe a better job than you could yourself?
0: Yeah. So I I guess, um, and and honestly, I I guess I really got into kind of a a depression, you know, because it was really for me it was really a hard lesson, and um, I had to change everything, you know. And I guess that's where where I started to, for myself, to be to be, you know, aware that there's always a better me, always, right? Um, so to you know be constantly open to 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 learn and and you know like uh, and and just you know test and new things to 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 always have a coach for example so so i i you know like i always have a coach so i always need someone to talk to and and the coaches change over the time because you know, I sure. want to be good at something, right? I want to be better at something or challenge something, and then probably the next topic. So I guess this is this is very important, and then probably this is a bit about um, entrepreneurship, right? Knowing that you 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 won't stop. There's always a better you.
1: And you know, we both love sports, so I think I love the analogies that you can draw between sports and business. But I think here you also have a very significant difference because usually in sports you have a competition and it's a zero-sum game. There's a winner and there's a loser. There's only one winner usually. However, in business, you can have everybody can win. The whole company can win and everybody can be better off. So there's not a zero-sum game. You can actually create more value out of nothing. And once I realized that, that was like blowing my mind. I said, like, wow, this is the way cooler game to play.
0: Absolutely, and uh, as well, I I like you know this this uh, you know like if you think of sports, what they they really like at sports. I mean, probably um, professional athletes are probably the best trained specialists in the world, right? Because what they do is they train ninety percent and then probably just um, you know compete ten percent or even less. Sure. Yeah. So they train just for this single moment all the time. What we do in, 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 uh, in our uh, day-to-day life, if we train 10%, then it's already a huge amount of training, right? So I think um, we should shift that as well a little bit. And and what I always think, you know, like stuff like reading, like learning or talking to a coach, um, getting feedback yeah. I think that needs to enter even the tightest
1: schedule, right? Exactly. How often and with what kind of coaches do you work yourself? Um, it, it's depending
0: a bit on 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 the phase, you know. Sometimes you you have a very you know, like I would say, you're heavily focusing on operations, and then it's probably you know once a month. And sometimes um, you have the time where you're building something new. Um that's probably once a week. So it's depending a bit, you know, right. on my personal needs as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but um it's 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 all it's on a regular basis, I would say. Yeah.
1: Perfect. Then let's jump to the fourth point you mentioned in your article. Use best practices and stick to them. You already briefly mentioned that in the beginning, and in your article you also talked about data based approaches mm-hmm. that always win. So you need to get proof. What do you exactly mean by that? Well, I guess, you know, there are so many
0: smart people out there who've built so many great frameworks, um, and um, I would always stick to them, use them. Obviously, it can be adapted to your needs, but um, you don't need to build everything from scratch, right? And um, that's that's what I mean by that. So, so take what's out there, use it. And um, when it comes to data, you know, like I'm, I'm currently working... Um, on a um, product market fit module together with uh, Joel Copt from um, uh, hacking.com. Mm-hmm. So he's he's a, a coach, uh, a growth coach, a growth hacking coach and a great guy. And um, and we're working on this topic, right? Um, and, and just, you know, basically teaching people how to conduct a product market fit. And I guess that's a very good example, right? There are best practices, but there is usually very few data right so you 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 cannot conduct a a let's say a a test with thousands of people or an interview with thousands of people so you need to rely on, 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 on few information so you need to do it the right way and especially when it comes to interviews and founders that's a challenge because um founders they're so trained in selling their vision They sell it all the time, right? And this is the worst thing you can do in an interview, right? So you don't want to convince the other that your your idea is great. You want to to hear that your idea is uh, not that great, (laughs) where you can optimize, right? And the other thing, the other issue um, founders have is they... They listen to compliments, you know, and 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 obviously people are polite, you know. They say, Oh, it's a great idea. And they say, oh, it's a great idea. Let's write that down. You know, <laughs> ten of ten said it's a great idea, but they just uh, want to be polite, right? Yeah. So this is this kind of thing. So um, um, stick to those best practices, but know how to implement them. Um, and that's 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 mostly the challenge because you you can read tons of blogs, right? And let's say OKRs, it sounds so easy, right? Let's let's you know agree on some 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 objectives, some key results, but then you suddenly realize, okay, um, this is a key result, or is this just an initiative, or you know, like does it really motivate my team? And then you suddenly realize, no, it's probably not the right way. And then you 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 run this for the first uh, three months, and in the middle of those three months, you, you realize that it's just not working well, and then you do it another time, and it's already six months are gone, right? Exactly. So. This is something, um, um, you know, when you've been using best practice, you, you might want to seek for help as well to implement them.
1: I also think that's also where a strong and diverse complementary management or leadership team comes in, right? I think there you will have better discussions to also make the better decision in the end instead of just you trying to implement the framework you just read about for the first time.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, that's that's true. that's
1: true. Your fifth and last point is called "listen to your gut feeling." Is that not a contradiction to the fourth point with the data-driven decision that you just mentioned? It is obviously, um, but but um,
0: you you sometimes just don't have this data, right? Yeah. And I'm referring actually more to this, you know, like feeling if something goes wrong inside of the organization, and that that is something you you. You just feel, you know, let's say if a, if a person is, is unhappy or, you know, like you, you probably, probably first have a gut feeling and then it's really worse to investigate, right? to talk to this person or to to get some more information. But gut feeling is something powerful and um, just, you know, just believing in data is probably the wrong way because, um, because it's a mix, right? Mm-hmm. But sometimes... Data tells you clearly what's right and what's what's wrong, and sometimes you just don't have the data, right? Right. But you need to make decisions
1: anyway. Has your gut feeling ever led you in the wrong direction? Of course, yeah.
0: Um, data as
1: well, right? Fair point. When, yeah. it, when it comes
0: to data, you know, like it's it's not only crucial that you have the data, but it's crucial that you have the right data and understand it, right. So um, and this takes some time as well to to you know like
1: it's it's best best practice again and and how to implement it. Yeah. Well, now we covered all the five points. and mm-hmm. I think those were super interesting learnings for the people listening to this. So now, if you look a bit into the future, you just left your last CEO role and decided to work as a scale up advisor. What actually led you to that to that step?
0: Um. You know, I guess it's probably the same thing that led me to being um, or to the decision of of, of being an entrepreneur. It's um, I like to have impact. And, um, I, you know, first first of all, I realized um, I don't want to jump in in just the next role again, next year role again, just without, you know, like at least having some time for me to reflect. Uh, I talked to some companies and... um, I, I realized that, you know, like it's it's really not the right time to just jump in. But what I saw as well is that, you know, and that kind of triggered me. There are a lot of things that I can be improved in those organizations. So what I did is just, you know, like I asked them, look, it's probably not the right time and they probably don't even need a CEO. Mm-hmm. That's that's actually start starting with that, right? And um, but I can help you, I can support you. Do you want to work with me on 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 let's say you know, some kind of consulting agreement or whatsoever. Right, and all of them said yes. So that led me to, you know, a decision to support. I would say pre-scale startups, uh, and 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 with the, always the goal to to get them ready for scaling, yep. right. And, um, and this is what I'm what I'm what I'm currently doing. Um, even though I cannot say this is this is going to be my future. Sure. um so I'm, I'm I'm still open for 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 roles um but it's it's a very good thing to um reflect on your past to reflect on your you know like practices methodologies and and to actually read a lot as well again you know I have okay. the time now to 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 learn a lot and what I've been doing because I realized you know I cannot work on on on, on a let's say, um, on a consulting basis with early stage startup mm-hmm. so I realized okay, I, I could work with them. I could have a lot of impact, but I it, I need to you know like make it in a different way. So what I did is actually I wrote a manual for company building where I'm writing currently I'm on page 70 <laughs> so it's getting huge it's getting it's really it's a monster that I'm creating <laughs> but um it's it's how to. You know, like nice. on on all the all those kind of things. How to you know, like uh, create a strategy, how to implement it, how to implement OKRs, how to lead a company, how to communicate, uh, and all those kind of things, so all everything that matters. And what I do with with your research, so I make an assessment, mm-hmm. and based on on that assessment, I um, um, create an individual. Um, you know, a conversion of that, of that manual and I lead them through that manual. So it's kind of subscription, okay. a subscription basis. Um, obviously I had to create something like that because I'm of so course. trained <laughs> in, in making something scalable, right? So, um, so, um, so. And that's that's how it works. And um, I just I, I just started, but the feedback is very positive, and um, I can literally see impact from 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 day one. And just because people start even with the, the assessment, which is a funny thing, because people start reflecting, why why does he ask that? <laughs> I never thought of that, right? So and they yeah. just start reflecting and 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 coming up with ideas.
1: That's the best to happen.
0: Yeah. And as well, um, you know, like I just. Trade them basically to come up with ideas. You know, if they have a certain goal, mm-hmm. um, I just want to hear. On a usually, I, I I connect them with with them on a biweekly basis for one hour, okay. and looking back, um, what happened in the past two weeks, and, and brief them for the next two weeks, and then I can of course um, um, ask a lot of questions, you know, about challenges whatsoever. But I always ask them to come up with two ideas. On how to solve this issue. Mm-hmm. And it just trains them to have it present all the time, you know, and not, you know, always be in, 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 in stuff that is now important, but probably doesn't really add value to the whole organization.
1: Nice. Very cool approach. And you mentioned at the beginning the 10 year plan for the companies that you work with. So I wonder do you also have a personal 10 year plan? No, I don't
0: think so because, um, um well, i cannot answer that currently because it's really I, I i take this time for me as well to think about my future yeah. and i tend to um you know probably found something on my own again so i, I recently discussed that with um pascal koenig the founder of ava and uh, we had lunch and i told him I, I just i don't know if i'm too old for that stuff <laughs> and he was like are you are you crazy? I mean, just think of you know how your work changed. You know how much more impact you can have with with less hours. So, yeah. it's you're getting better and better. So why stop right now? And and I was like, oh, that's a good thing, right? And it's probably as well a good thing to create your your or to to build your own thing again. You know, after being a startup CEO for um well eight eight years I guess, close to eight years now um so to, to create my own thing again mm-hmm. and, and implement my <laughs> own values right sure. and and uh uh, well, uh try to 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 uh, you know like uh, um well uh, chase my own vision basically so that could be one of the solutions but another it could be as well um entering in an in, in organization again but you know like um with with a very clear um shared responsibility that's that's what i think is
1: very important definitely an exciting future ahead of you <laughs> it is <laughs> thank you so to wrap up this episode we prepared some rapid fire questions for you so i either give you a short question or an option where you have to make one choice and answer in one sentence are you ready yep how many hours of sleep did you get last night
0: um, eight hours, like like almost every night. I'm not one of those super supermen uh, that sleep four hours, so I need my eight hours. I like to hear that.
1: <laughs> meet market demand
0: or create it? I would say both. Okay. Right? Um. To to, be, well, you need you need to uh, meet a certain demand um, um yeah. in order to be successful. So you kind of just create something um you know that you probably only like yourself. So okay. there n- must be a market demand. So, but but I always like. Um, and the first step is real innovation. So it really changes something dramatically, but then still need to adapt to the market.
1: Nice. Where do you go to think and reflect?
0: Um, I, I go for a jog in the forest.
1: Nice. How long can you go without checking your phone? Um, what did you just say? I'm sorry, I'm just checking. phone. <laughs> but that was already an hour so <laughs> yeah so every hour <laughs> fair point next one I'm really curious what you say founder or CEO Um,
0: I, I, I would as, as I mentioned probably rather founder or CEO of a company that really shares the values alike right
1: yep. and the last one for you today what advice would you give to your 20 year old self
0: um, learn more and less ego
1: nice Boris, that was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for stopping by. We're really excited to see what you'll build in the future and all the best.
0: Thank you very much, Dylan. It was a great pleasure to be here.
1: We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, you can support us by rating our show on Apple Podcasts. This way, we can reach an ever-growing number of aspiring entrepreneurs.